I don't know, it's worth a little bit of noise, right? To sing, Great is the Faithfulness of God. We are so glad that you are here at Valley Baptist Church this morning because today is a special day. Today we're celebrating our missionaries and the missions efforts that we are involved in around the world. Um, now, usually, I know some people are really excited about this, we usually have our children's time right at this moment, but we're going to wait for just a second because I have something to share with everybody. We've been studying a little bit in the book of Philippians, um, and every week we've been going through this letter from Paul, where Paul has described how he um, is so thankful for their partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. That was how he began that very passage. Well, in Philippians, we have a few other passages, a few other things that he shares with us. Um, and so let me share with you just a couple words where he says, <clears throat> in verse 14, he says this. Yet it was, well, let me go ahead and flip to the ones in the next slide there. I thought this would come up. He says in verse 10, I rejoice greatly that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but had no opportunity to show it. Paul was in prison. And the Philippians were sending support, sending financial support. And they sent Epaphroditus to encourage Paul, to build him up. Some of us have been studying this on our different campuses um, about how Paul was, was encouraged and built up by the, the gifts and the offerings of the people. Now, I love how he says this. You were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Why? They were separated by great distance. And you know the old adage, out of sight, out of mind. Sometimes it's easy for things to get out of our minds. And we need to remember our missionaries, those that we are praying for, those that we are supporting, those who are doing work uh, that is so significant that God is using them. And we need to be in constant prayer for them. We need to not forget about those that we are partnering with and that God has called us to serve. Let's look at this other couple of verses. He says, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Today, we're going to share. We're going to just learn and hear, and hear from our missionaries. For Paul, he was proud and thankful for they were sharing in prayer, but they were sharing that burden. We have a call. Missions is, about, is for all of us, not just for missionaries. We have some brand new missionaries that were just appointed this week that are going to be sharing with us later in the service. And Whitney is, uh, Zulu is here, who you have known for many years, those of you who have been part of this church. And we want to hear for them to share with us what is going on so that we know how to share with them. Next slide says this. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. Go ahead and flip to the next slide. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Paul was with the Philippians only a short amount of time. But in those early days, they became so enamored with the love of God that God had brought a message to them, a message that had changed their life, that they were excited, that they had to share Jesus with everyone. Not only so, they were committed to giving and receiving, to giving of their time and their money and their resources to make sure the gospel went around the world. I remember a young man uh, at the Syracuse campus. Uh, his name was John. Uh, John was uh, a young freshman, and he uh, gave his life to Jesus right there on the campus during his first year. Later, when some of the students were saying, I don't know if we ought to spend all this time doing mission trips. I don't know if we ought to spend all this time telling others about Jesus. 
John spoke up to the whole group. He said, I'm sorry. I'm just glad somebody told me. I'm so glad somebody told me. This time is a significant time for us. We as a church have been committed to missions for a long, long time. Many of you, I, I, I can point, are, are, are children of missionaries. Many of you have served in missions, and we are thankful for what God has done and is doing through us. Let's pray together, and then we're going to have our children's time. Father, we ask that this time of mission celebration would be good, would be enriching, would bless our missionaries and bless your congregation here. Help us all take on that missionary mantle that we would be those who would take the good news to the nations. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of the Philippian church. Thank you for the example of Paul. Thank you for your word that teaches us how to be your people on your mission. We pray this because you were on mission through your son to save us and redeem us all. So we pray in his name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, now, for some of our youngest congregants, we want you to come. Whitney's going to stay right there, but, but uh, some of our youngest congregants can come uh, for our children's time, because I've got some big questions for you guys before you head off to our Bible study time. Nora's coming very quickly. Good job. I have some new friends today. This is Evie and her brother, Oliver. Come on, you guys can sit with us right here, too. Can you, you want to scoot a little bit next to me, Nora, so they have a little room? These are some of our new friends. Um, now, I got a big question for you. What in school, what, are there, what happens in school? Do you know what happens? What do teachers try to do? Yeah, I don't know either. I think they're supposed to be teaching. My, my wife thinks that they're supposed to be teaching over there. She's the elementary ed professor. But you know what they have a lot of in schools? Well, they don't have always have Bibles, but they have books. Yeah, books. The book of the Bible is also a book. Good job. It's books and Bible, right? Books. Because we want people to be able to learn and learn how to read. But did you know some children will don't get a lot of chances? They don't have a lot of access to books. But we have a friend, and her name is Miss Whitney. Do you see Miss Whitney? She's waiting at you. She helps children learn to read. And she helps teachers know how to teach the children how to read. And get this. She gets the children to be able to have access to books through a library that she helps direct. And this church has given money to help build that library. Isn't that exciting? I think that's very exciting. I'm very thankful for Ms. Whitney. So let's pray for her today, and then we're going to invite her to come and tell us more while you guys go to our children's time. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for Ms. Whitney. Thank you for our ears so that we can learn more about how your good news is going around the world. And thank you for books, especially those that tell us about God's love, and especially the Bible that tells us about your son. We pray this in his name, the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, you guys are going to head to the back with Miss Carolyn and, and, and Young. She's going to go with you guys. We're going to go to our children's time. All right, good job, Evie. I'm proud of you guys. All right. We are going to invite uh, Whitney Zulu to come and share with us this morning. Uh, those of you who have been part of Valley for a long time, she is no stranger to us. Um, and we are going to have her just share with us what God has been doing through a ministry that we've been supporting for quite a while. Whitney, we're just turning this over to you, okay? And when you're done, uh, Pastor Barry is going to come and pray and pray over you. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be back with you guys. 
It's hard to believe that it's been a year since I was here last. Last time I was here, I was very pregnant, expecting my second child. Uh, I did have that second child, but unfortunately I left my two boys back home in Kentucky with my parents. They are four and one now, and they are precious, um, and I love them to pieces, but they make it difficult for mommy to talk at times like this, because they want to be right here with mommy. Um, but I'm so excited to be back with you and to share what God is doing in Zambia through your partnership. And listening to Mike talk about those words in Philippians, you as a church have shown your concern for me as an individual, for the work, for the ministry over and over and over again, time and again. And it just resonates as he reads that, that you are faithful partners, just like the Philippians were with Paul. And I look at these four precious little children that were sitting down here this morning and I just think about how much God loves them. You know that, like deep in your soul, you know that, that God loves them and he wants something for them. You want something for them, right? You yearn for them to grow up knowing God and knowing what it is that God wants for them and has for their lives. But the reality is around the world, a lot of children don't experience that kind of love. They don't know how much God loves them. They don't know that they're treasured by him. They don't know that he has a purpose and a plan for them. And our heart at Impact One is to change that reality for kids in Ngombe Compound, to give them the opportunity to experience, to taste and see the goodness of God, and to taste and see what their life can be like when they are equipped with the practical skills like reading, but also when they're exposed to God's love and his purposes for their life have a few pictures. Um, the area that I work in is Ngombe Compound, and it's a very densely populated slum area of the capital city. And the majority of the children who are born in this area are born into extreme poverty. And oftentimes, when you're born into extreme poverty, you are told by the world that you don't have a lot to offer. You don't feel the love of maybe those around you, maybe the world, um, maybe even God. Maybe you don't feel and experience that kind of love because of the place in which you're born. So being born in Ngombe compound, you can see the little girl. This is a typical house in Ngombe. It's a very densely populated, in this, uh, in this picture, it looks like there's um, plenty of space in the, in the neighborhood. There's not. Um, all of the houses are, are very closely packed together. People live very closely. In this house, it's probably a two-room house. There's probably two families living, one in one door and one in another door. And when you're born into a place like this, you often lack some of the basic necessities of life. Electricity, running water, this little girl is washing her dishes. She would have gone to a faucet in the community and filled up a bucket, paid money to fill up a bucket, carried it back to her house, and then washed her dishes in that water that she fetched. The children born in Ngombe, they probably at this house don't have access to flushing toilets. They probably don't have enough food to eat in a day. When they get sick, there's probably not enough money for medicine. This is some of the reality of being born into poverty and how it impacts your life. And that poverty can limit you and your opportunities in so many ways. Just your own development as a child. Um, food is a necessity for that development. Um, so many parts of life are a necessity for that development. So from a very young age, you're impacted when you're born into poverty. 
They're also limited in their opportunities for education. As Mike mentioned with the kids, their schools are lacking. They lack a lot of resources. So when you're born into this situation, you don't have a lot of opportunities for good school. And a good school is kind of the ticket out of this poverty that you've been born into. It's crucial to, to making your way into a different level of life, a different place in life. So as Impact One, we come alongside schools in this area. So I'm going to talk to you about one school in particular um, and what we're seeing happen at this one school. This is Twin Palm Christian Community School. This is outside the school. This is actually also a church building. And the school meets inside of the church or outside, as you can see. They've come outside for reading time. We began partnering with this school a year ago. They're one of our, our, new, uh, our new partner schools. Twin Palm Christian Community School was started by a Baptist pastor named Matthew. So Matthew was raised by a single mom who valued education so much that she made sure all of her kids finished school. Matthew grew up and became a Baptist preacher, and he started preaching in a Ngombe compound in this congregation. And he found out that he was incredibly privileged because nobody else in his congregation had finished school. He was the only one. And his heart was broken by that reality. And because of his faith in Jesus, he felt compelled that he had to do something, that he couldn't just, um, just you know, move on, take that and say, um, I'm praying for you, right? That's what the scripture says. He had to do something. He felt compelled. So he started a school. And in that school, he started a school about 20 years ago. But in that heart to do something, he had the right heart, but he didn't have the right skills or the right resources or the right training to be able to run a school very effectively. So he started this school, but they faced so many challenges. If you flip to the next picture, you can see the majority of the grades, this is actually Matthew teaching, the majority of the grades meet inside of that sanctuary. So you'll have on one side of the room, you've got the first, second, and third graders sitting in front of chalkboards. On Matthew's side of the room, you can see this is the fifth, sixth, and seventh graders all learning together. They have, the fourth graders have a little room outside, and the preschoolers have a little room outside. And for all of these grades, there's about 200 kids from preschool to seventh grade, but there's only four teachers. So they hop from grade to grade to grade to try to teach and deliver the content. But these four teachers have never received training to be teachers. So while they have a heart for it, they don't necessarily know what they're doing every day when they stand in front of their kids. So what it looks like is that they will take a textbook and they will write the, the words from the textbook on the board and the kids will copy it down into their notebooks. You can see the chalkboard is loaded with notes for them to write down. That's how they learn all day, every day in these schools. They're eager to learn, the teachers are eager to teach, but there's gaps in, in what they're able to provide. And because of those gaps, you can see it in their learning outcomes. So a year ago, last year when Twin Palm joined our network, we did an assessment of their kids. And in their entire elementary school up to seventh grade, only 50% of the kids could read. They're going to school every day, but not learning how to read. Half of them. Can you even imagine? Reading is essential to school, to learning, but it's essential to life as well and to participating in life. And half of the kids didn't learn how to read. 
despite Matthew's good heart and despite the school's good efforts. At the beginning of last year, we came alongside Twin Palm and we began to partner with them and we began to train their teachers, get them access to books, and things have changed dramatically at Twin Palm in the last year. Before I share some of those stories, I think I have a video of Matthew, if it will play, sharing a testimony of what things are like now. If not, that's okay. I can, you can see, you can get a visual of what the school looks like, and I can share with you a little bit about what Matthew is saying in this video. So he's talking about how much the reading has changed since we introduced the reading program. You can see kids are reading in small groups, reading books. The teachers are using more effective methods to teach literacy. And he says that reading has changed, the culture of reading has changed so much at their school. He says they have this program that they do where they put up Bible verses and the kids, they teach them scripture and the kids read the Bible verses. But before we began with them, the kids weren't able to read those verses when they put them up. But now you saw all those kids lifting their hands, ready to answer. He says now the kids can read the scripture that's up. And he's so excited that kids are able to read the word of God for themselves. Because the reality in Zambia is that it proclaims to be a Christian nation. Almost everybody goes to church every Sunday, and they're faithful Christians. But the majority of their church churches are not teaching a true gospel. And so many people are led astray by false teaching because they don't know how to read for themselves, because they don't know how to read the Word of God for themselves. They don't know how to discern what truth is and what it isn't. So it's not uncommon for someone to go to church every Sunday but when they get sick, they go to the witch doctor for healing. It's not uncommon for people to go to church every Sunday. And when the pastor says, a special pastor will say, give your money to me and you will become rich. And so they begin to give their tithe to this pastor instead of to the church in the hopes that they can get rich. So in their churches, they have mixed together African traditional religion, ancestor worship, witchcraft, and prosperity gospel. So you don't always hear the true gospel. But when children learn how to read, Matthew's mentions in that, in that um, video, they can begin to tell the difference between what is true and what is not true. So the gift of reading is life-changing, not just for their future economic opportunities, not just for their health of their children and their families, but for the ability to know and understand God's word and know and understand his plan for their life. Matthews has seen so many other changes because of his reading program since last year. And when he testifies and he says, kids are standing up and reading scripture, I can tell you that it's true because last year, 50% of the kids were not able to read. Just a year later, when we assessed them again, that number has dropped to 20%. Already, the number is dropping because of having access to books and because of the better implementation methods that they're using as teachers. And I'm certain that number is just going to keep going down as they keep implementing good practices. And he can see it in so many other ways. He's, he's told some, um, some beautiful stories. I think one of these I shared by video, but I'll share it again in case you didn't get to see it. 
Matthews, he walked into his classroom one day and he found paper all over the floor. And at first he was really mad that his classroom was so dirty. So what are you guys doing? Why is there paper all over the floor? So he picked up one of the papers and he looked at it and he saw what it said. It was a note written from one student to another. It said, dear friend, you look sad today. Are you okay? And the friend wrote back, I'm okay, thank you, how are you? And he said his heart melted because for the first time in 20 years, his students could express themselves in writing. They had never been able to write before. And not only were they writing, but they were writing concern and love for each other. And he was so happy, he said, I will bring you more paper so that you can keep passing notes in class because this is amazing. <laughs> 20 years of running a school and he'd never seen his kids write before. He was so thrilled. He just, in this last um, training we had before I left, we were sharing the reading results. And it was like, you know, that confirmation of, I knew it, I knew it, I knew they were reading, but now I have proof that they're reading. He said, just this last, as the semester ended, they take tests, just like many of you do in class, I'm sure, at the end of a semester, you take tests, right? But their tests look a little different because they don't have money and resources. They won't print tests on paper because that's, they don't have the money for all the paper or the ink. So what they do is they write the test questions on the chalkboard, they write the multiple choice options, and then the kid will take their own notebook and answer the questions. But because the majority of kids can't read, the teachers actually read the test questions aloud to the class. So this year he decided, I'm just not gonna read and I'm gonna see what happens. So with this class, he just, he wrote the questions on the board and he said, do the test. When he got the papers back, he said, they're reading. They're answering the questions right, and they're actually reading the test on their own. And he was so excited to share that testimony in our last um, training as we shared the reading results that I tested my kids, and they could read from the board themselves. This is absolutely life-changing, and we're seeing this happen across 19 partner schools now with 4,000 children in. It is just such a privilege to be a part of this ministry and to be a part of this work of equipping teachers with skills, helping children have access to life-changing skills that will help them live life, but also learn more about God. I have so many stories that I can share with you. I'm looking forward to after, after the service, we're going to have another time where I'll get to share more because as we're seeing these changes in our schools, we're also seeing a spiritual renewal in our um, staff and in our volunteers like I haven't seen before. So I think there's another picture, picture of Alex. So I just want to let you know that in the uh, lunchtime, um, in the next session, I'm going to share more about Alex, who's a boy that we have watched grow up since we built our library in 2017-18. He lived across the street and we have watched him from eighth grade grow up and his story of how he drifted away from God, how he lost his way, but how he found Jesus again through Impact One and how he's found his purpose again. So I'm gonna share more about that story um, and, and many more stories too um, during the lunchtime session of what God is doing and how lives are being changed through his love and through education. Thank you all so much for how you encourage 
me um, and the ministry and support us through giving, through praying, through just sending emails back that say, I'm thinking of you, Whitney, um, that is encouragement. As Mike mentioned, we're separated by many, many miles. But our life looks very different from Paul's, right? We have the ability to stay connected in so many ways. And I appreciate how many of you stay connected and support me as a person in my, my work in Lusaka. So thank you all very much. Amen. Won't you join me in a word of prayer uh, as we pray for Whitney and the ministry there at Impact One? Uh, let's pray. Father in heaven, we, our hearts are warm by what we have heard and how you are working. God, I pray that the impact that they have on those students with the word of God, just learning to write your words. God, I pray that it would grow fruit in their life and that they would see the God of the Bible as greater than anything that they would have a desire to grow in your love and in your work. God, I pray for Whitney in her heart. Thank you that she's there on the front line serving. God, bringing your name glory by doing a difficult work. Encourage her in her inner man. Help her to know, God, that you're right there with her in those dark moments. She didn't share those moments when uh, she feels defeated, when things look greater than she is. But thanks be to God that she has a God that's greater than any of the obstacles that those children face, any of the obstacles that poverty places on us. Help her to see you in those moments. Pull back the windows of heaven, to see the angels working, to see the people growing. God, I pray for Matthew. I thank you for his heart to want to establish a school and willing to allow the word of God to drive that school. And encourage his heart, God. Help him to see you and your work. God, we play especially for Alex. God, we know your word does not return void. It goes out and accomplishes all that it's supposed to. Thank you, God, that you got a hold of his heart and you brought him back. You know, God, I pray that he would grow and see the great impact that he can have over all those that you've placed. And so, God, thank you for this opportunity to hear from what's happening all across the world. God, break our heart for what breaks yours. Help us to be just a little bit of assistance to those on the front line. We ask you all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's uh, rise and just sing a couple more praises.
to know uh, that the good news of Jesus is being shared in this very practical way, equipping teachers to equip students uh, to be able to read so they can have access to God's Word. You all support and have been supporting this ministry. Um, Twelve cents out of every dollar that is given here at Valley Baptist Church goes to our missions offering, and a portion of that uh, supports uh, Impact One, and a portion of that also supports uh, the cooperative program, which is where we support our International Mission Board missionaries. Um, and our Lottie Moon Christmas offering at Christmas, 100% of that supports our Lottie Moon Christmas, or supports our International Mission Board missionaries. Now the thing is, I love that system because we all pull our money and we're able to support so many missionaries. What I don't like is sometimes we don't know who our missionaries are. But today I want you to meet the 
I mean, the most recently appointed missionaries that we've got. Uh, they were appointed as missionaries on Wednesday. Uh, Peter and Tina Hahn, along with several others, it wasn't just you guys, but uh, Peter and Tina Hahn were appointed as missionaries uh, for the International Mission Board. I've known them for quite a while. Tina was part of the college ministry and helped with me way back in the day. I think, Joe, when you were at Living Water, Tina came by and helped us a little bit th at that time. Um, so anyway, Peter, uh, Tina, come and tell us a little bit, or at least Peter, uh, what, well, whoever's coming up, you guys come on up. Um, uh, I, I know that we also have little ones, uh, but, but Peter's going to come and, and Tina and share a little bit about where they're going um, so that we can be praying for them as they head out. You all can use the microphones here. All right. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Peter, my wife, Tina, and then you guys saw our two older ones, Evie and Oliver. And then with Tina's mom over there is Lottie, our youngest. Uh, so there's a picture of us. Um, so we have the privilege and honor uh, to serve as Southern Baptist uh, missionaries to Brazil. And we're being sent out from Christ Community Church of Ashton, which is about 45 minutes away from here. Um, we want to thank Pastor Mike and you all for inviting us here this morning. Um, yeah, Tina served with Pastor Mike, I guess, it's like 10 years ago, something like that. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. Um, but we just want to thank you all for uh, having us here this morning. Um, so uh, if we can go back a couple slides. Oh, maybe I, did, I didn't do the right slides. Sorry. All right. So I just want to touch a little bit on um, what it means for you guys to be uh, partners with the Southern Baptist Church, uh, with the International Mission Board. So through your giving, there we go, to the cooperative program, and the International Mission Board, uh, as well as through your prayers, we are able to go and spread the gospel to uh, those who have never heard. So I'm sure this might be review for some of you, but I did want to talk through how you guys are kind of financially partnering with us. Um, so there's an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. So Southern Baptist churches like yours and mine are part of 43,000 churches that are cooperating with each other to increase God's kingdom. Um, so we're fortunate that each church can operate autonomously. We don't have like a pope or a presbytery that's um, over us, but as long as we hold the same statements of faith, uh, we believe in the same doctrinal principles, then we're able to be considered a Southern Baptist church. Um, now, Southern Baptists, like all Christians, uh, may not get everything right, but what we excel in is collectively putting our funds into things that will make a direct impact for the gospel through evangelism and missions. So how does that work? So it's kind of hard to see, so I'm going to kind of try to um, explain it in a little bit. So we see on the left-hand side there are churches giving. So you guys are giving monetarily to support us. Uh, first, you guys designate a certain amount of your budget from your tithes and your offerings and it goes into the state convention, which for us is the Baptist Convention of Maryland and Delaware. Um, they will then give a percentage of that budget to the cooperative program. So the cooperative program then splits half of that money into several, several entities within the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, like the North American Mission Board, which uh, deals with domestic missions, and then also uh, it helps subsidize uh, seminary tuition for Southern Baptist uh, students. Uh, the other half, goes down into that uh, middle circle into the International Mission Board, which deals completely with missions outside of the US and Canada. 
So the IMB, International Mission Board, or IMB, fully funds our 3,500 missionaries um, that are overseas so that they don't have to worry about fundraising or finances. And the second way you see the arrow going down that mission, uh, the churches support missionaries is through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. So all money raised during that offering in December, 100% uh, of that goes directly to the IMB. Um, and that makes up about 60% or so of their budget. Um, so the, just to give you a number, the 2021 to 2022 Lottie Moon Christmas offering raised over $203 million. So you can see how a cooperation of churches is able to fully fund missionaries to go overseas. So my family uh, being able to go to Brazil is a direct, uh, and share the gospel, is a direct result of your tithes and offerings and prayers. So I wanted to give a little, I'm, I'm talking the whole time, Tino, <laughs> I don't know if you want to say. <laughs> so I wanted to quickly give a little bit of background of uh, who we are and explain how we got to this point and what we'll be doing in Brazil. So Tina and I met through a mutual friend who set us up knowing that we both had a heart for overseas missions. So we got married in 2016, wanted to go to missions right away, uh, but for one reason or another, we kept getting delayed. So we had our three kids, there was a global pandemic, uh, and even after all of those things, when we were finally applying uh, for the International Mission Board last year, uh, Tina's dad unexpectedly passed away. Uh, so Tina's mom actually graciously gave her blessing for us to continue with the process uh, like a month after. So we were able to go down to Richmond where the International Mission Board is headquartered. Uh, we went down to Richmond this past January to attend an interview conference. And so what they do in the interview conference is they hear your story, but then also you get to see what jobs and locations are available all around the world. So we talked to different affinity group leaders, uh, just to see what was available for our family. We were kind of open to um, where the Lord would send us. We weren't sure exactly. Um, and, but we did have these kind of ideas that we'd be going towards somewhere like East Asia, Southeast Asia, Central Asia. Uh, but then when we got to the conference, those jobs and locations either weren't available or uh, they just didn't quite fit what our family, uh, what we could, I guess, support and do uh, in those areas. So... Uh, however, the top leader of the entire America's affinity uh, group was in town, so we got to chat with him and his wife. And so they connected us with the team leader down in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And when we talked with him, he was sharing how a lot has been happening in Brazil, especially in Sao Paulo. Uh, but there was one group of people that the team couldn't quite get a footing into, um, and that was the Asian population. So they've been praying specifically for an Asian family that could come down and do ministry among the one million Asians that are living in Sao Paulo. So we are the answer to their prayers. Um, there was a big influx of Asian people in Brazil in the 60s and the 70s, just like kind of how there was here in America. Uh, so having that shared experience of being children of immigrants uh, will hope hopefully give us a connection and a bridge uh, to building relationships with the Asian Brazilians. Um, we were kind of wrestling with the location a little bit because we were thinking, oh, is God actually calling us to Asia because we think the places are cool or is it actually the people? Like, it'd be cool to go to Japan, it'd be cool to go to Vietnam, but is it the place or is it the people? And so we are ministering to the people, but just not in Asia, we're going to Brazil. Um, so the theme for us, uh, as we've been preparing for missions, has been trusting in the Lord. Um, 
Brazil, like I just shared, was never on our radar. Uh, we had a short-sighted and human perspective uh, on how we thought God was going to be using us and leading us to missions. Uh, but looking back at the past several years, uh, a lot of things didn't go how we planned. Uh, it was hard at times, but we knew that we needed to continue trusting in God because his ways are higher than our ways. Um, and we have never actually gone to Brazil, so we are stepping out in faith to go to a place that we've never been to. We're starting to learn the language a little bit, um, but you guys can pray for us uh, for that. Uh, so there are four ways as a Southern Baptist church that you guys can get involved, um, and I think there's a slide for it. So first, how to get involved, you can give um, through the weekly tithes and offerings um, and the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, you're joining with 43,000 Southern Baptist churches to make sure that our missionaries are fully funded. Um, second, you can pray. Uh, so uh, our family, we have three specific prayer requests. Um, first, for our family, um, that it would just be a smooth transition as we go. Language learning would come quickly. Um, and then second, for our team members that are down there already. It's kind of a new team, so just the dynamic that we'll have with them. And then third, for the people of Sao Paulo to be receptive, for God to go ahead of us and soften their hearts so that we can share the gospel um, with them. A third, you can send. So prepare those in the church to be equipped and send people to join on short-term trips. And then finally, go. Uh, maybe God is calling you to be a part of his plan for the nations. Uh, God can use you whatever stage of life that you're in, whatever background, whatever work experience you have, to spread the gospel to those who have never heard it before. Um, Tina and I are not special. We're not like super Christians. Uh, I think when you would say the same thing, we're regular people who are putting our lives into the hands of an almighty God. So please come talk with us if you have any questions or if you have any interest in going overseas. Um, and that's us. Thank you. Okay, student. We're going to all pray uh, for them. Uh, Rachel's going to lead our prayer. Rachel's somewhere. Yes, she is. Rachel's going to come and lead our prayer. Uh, but I'm so excited about uh, us being, and you said we could come. You guys just have to send and go. Nathaniel, you're up, right? Portuguese, we got this going. Okay, we're, we're, we're coming. We're, we'll, we'll, we'll see if we put something together. Um, uh, we've got some more announcements. I'm excited about what God is doing here, and I'm excited about our missions uh, connections. Let's pray, and you pray in your heart um, as Rachel leads us uh, for Tina, Peter and Tina. Join me in prayer. Father God, I just thank you that you are just, you are so good. And you are so much bigger than we can imagine. And God, you are capable of doing and you are wanting to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine by your power that is at work within us. And so God, I just pray that you would strengthen Peter and Tina and their family as they step out in faith um, to go where you have called them to go. God, I just pray that, that you would burden our hearts to just be lifting them up and bathing them in prayer, that they would just in, be encouraged in their spirits by that. Uh, God, I just pray that you would help them to connect well with their team as they go and uh, meet people that they've never met before in a country that they've never been to. God, I just pray that you would help them to just connect seamlessly, that the, the, the unity of your people um, would just be in and of itself um, a witness and a ministry to the people of Sao Paulo. God, I pray um, just for their kids, <laughs> that they would um, just be um, 
that you would just give them just overwhelming peace as they make this transition and for their family that they're leaving behind, God, that um, you would just give them peace and encouragement through that. God, we pray for the practical things. I pray for the learning of a language. God, I pray that that would go quickly and that it would allow them to connect with the people that they are going there to serve. Um, God, I just am so thankful for their faithfulness and for the ways that you choose to work in our lives. God, I pray that you would be raising up a generation of people who would be willing to go where you go, um, to follow the leading of your spirit. God, I pray that that would happen in this convention and in this church even. Um, as this testimony is shared, that you would be stirring the hearts of your people um, to take the gospel to, to people for whom you died and people who you love. And so, God, I just am just so thankful for, for the Kim family and just pray that you would just continue to fill them with wisdom and guidance and peace as they uh, go where you've called them to go. I ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.